Welcome to Blink of an Eye, life stories of trauma, loss, awakenings, and epiphanies, beginning with one mom's journal entries recorded in real time of a catastrophic diving accident rendering her teenage son paralyzed from the neck down, and the courageous fight to save his life. Told through unedited text and journal entries and inspiring guest interviews, Blink of an Eye will take you on a powerful journey of advocacy and hope and an unvarnished look at the true nature of our relationships and interconnectedness in the face of an event that changes everything. Episode 9. Pray for Archer. August 7th, Day 3. Life can change in the blink of an eye. I was not prepared at all as I walked into that hospital room and saw Archer with more tubes coming out of his body, more like clear garden hoses, literally coming out of his body on both sides and two more machines. What happened? On seeing me, Billy stood up and said, he'll be fine, Louise. They had to do it. I could feel the tightening in my arms. I was furious. When did this happen? What is it? What does this mean? Billy said they were chest tubes. They had done emergency surgery. Two surgeries, actually. What? You never called me? I said. This happened between 4 a.m. and now. I could feel my neck straining. I was upset. Oh, my Lord. Billy said nothing. He looked stupefied, honestly. I realized he was in bad shape. Maybe like I had been the day or two before. Oh, my God. I couldn't get mad at him, but I was mad. He had told me he'd let me know. He had assured me, and he had just told me everything was fine. It was not, and I knew it. He walked out of the room, and I called after him. The car is parked on level five, facing Atlantic Care by the open air. And I wanted to add, meanie. Big jerk, asshole. I didn't, of course. He yelled back as he walked down the hallway. I'm not leaving. I'm just going to the bathroom. Oh. But I knew last night or this morning, whatever you want to call it, must have overwhelmed him. I imagine the reality of Archer's injury was just tearing him up especially when his gauge of seriousness of our children's injuries over the years was the measure of how many games, if any, they would miss in whatever sport they were playing that season. I remember when Dewey tore his lip in a pickup basketball game at the pool, leaving a scar to this day on his mouth. That never ruffled Billy's feathers. And when Paula was hit by the golfer, leaving a literal divot, an indent in the back of her head to this day, that didn't ruffle his feathers either. But on the other hand, when Pete broke his arm snowboarding 
and missed a season of lacrosse, for Billy, that was unforgivable. I could only imagine the torture that was going on inside Billy now. Archer would be sitting out a lifetime of seasons. I knew it must be bad. As I thought about it, my heart ached for him, even though I was still mad at him for not calling me when he promised he would. Well, even though he said he was only going to the men's room, I figured he'd figure out some way to go for a walk or be outside somewhere moving. That's what Billy did when he needed to sort things out. I was still fuming, though. Total breach of trust. I looked at Archer. It looked like someone had jammed half-inch-wide plastic tubes into his sides and taped them in place with surgical tape. A nurse walked in. I asked her, and I learned that that is essentially exactly what they did. Oh, my God. I had more questions, and she told me I'd need to talk with the pulmonologist. I went out to the donut and made a request to see a pulmonologist. I think that is what the nurse called the type of doctor who knows about the tubes. This was all so new to me. A pulma, pulmonologist, yeah, arrived shortly. A different man than the one who had been in our room yesterday, I think. I wasn't sure. He was Indian and patient. I had a lot of questions. I learned that they placed the chest tubes in Archer to help drain air, blood, and fluid from what he called plural spaces around Archer's lungs. What are plural spaces? I asked. He said, the air pockets around the lungs, and that the procedure was called an emergency trauma thoracostomy. I asked, was Archer put under anesthesia? He said, yes, we used anesthesia. I asked him if he could describe the surgery to me, and he explained that they inserted a hollow plastic tube between Archer's ribs into the space around his lungs. I gasped. I asked, did my husband have to give you consent? And he said, yes. And he added, it is not a surgery that you can plan for as it is performed for emergency purposes. Oh, my Lord. I asked the pulmonologist, is this a painful surgery? And he said, generally, yes. I asked how large those tubes were. He spoke in millimeters, and I think he said like 34 millimeters. I asked, what was that in inches? And he paused and seemed to do a calculation in his head and then said, a little over an inch and a quarter. I gasped. I asked him how they got the tubes into Archer's body. And he said they cut a slit in the side of his chest. Oh, my 
heavens. My stomach turned as I pictured a little bluegill fish being slid up the side. I did. I asked, how large a slit? He held up his hand and showed an inch or so with his thumb and forefinger and said, to fit the tube. Oh, my goodness. My stomach was lurching. I asked, how long does it take the spaces to drain and the lungs to inflate? And he said, there will be close observation and x-rays. I didn't understand how Archer's ventilator could work if his lungs were collapsed. I didn't know anything about medicine. I asked, how does Archer's ventilator work if his lungs are collapsed? The doctor looked at me. Your son has a large pneumothorax. It will take time. What is a pneumothorax? And he said, a collapsed lung, ma'am. I persisted. But how is he breathing? And he said, the lungs would inflate as the machines pull the air and drain the fluid. The machines are doing all they can. I was stunned. Yes, I think I understood. The soft new noise from the new machines was a sort of sucking sound. I asked him what I should be doing and how to look for progress. And he said, the best position for your son is alternating, perpendicular. Oh, my Lord, my darling Archer. The doctor said they would continue with x-rays every four hours to watch his progress. My head was swimming. All that radiation and anesthesia for Archer made me shudder. I was still focused on how gruesome that they jammed into Archer's body, huge, fat tubes. But I was also thankful for ways to get the fluid out of his body so he could breathe on his own. It felt like the pulmonologist had had enough. And I asked him, well, what exactly is it that you're draining out? He said, fluid, ma'am. And I said, from what? Fluid from what? And he said, your son must have had a severe impact to the chest. And I said, no, he didn't. He had a severe impact to his head when he dove into the ocean and hit a sandbar. He then said, your son has a puncture in each lung. He glanced at his watch and said he needed to leave. I didn't understand that. I turned to Archer. Oh, Archer, my darling, I am so sorry. You are so brave. You battled so hard to keep that salt water out of your lungs. I was sitting on Archer's right side of the bed as he was propped up on his right side, and I held his right hand that lay on the bed. The other was just sort of dangling down limply on a pillow. There were tubes 
in his nose to his stomach, a tube through his mouth into his windpipe, tubes from the ventilator blowing air into his body, and another tube with exhaled air. And now two very large tubes coming out of the sides of his body, one of the tubes crossing over his body. I said, Archer, sweetheart, if you can hear me, I want to explain these tubes, as I think you have every right to know, and so you can make sense of it, okay? And I did, all of them, and their function as best I understood it. And I watched the monitors. There were nine that I could count. And I stroked his fingers. I didn't understand anything about the monitors. But I did know a hand. Archer's was limp and lifeless. But it was warm and smooth and pliable. And I wanted to keep it that way. For when he would get the use of it again, I stretched out both of his hands to massage them and to stop them from curling. I wonder what your thoughts are about what patients in hospitals and your family members need to know or should know. I imagine people have different views about this, but I have always wanted my children to feel prepared in life, to assume the best of life, but to know the risks of things, to know all sides. I was a questioner, always have been, but it's the only way to learn, especially now in this foreign place. I didn't understand a lot, but what I did understand, I thought it was the right thing to tell Archer. And Archer had begun to show signs of being alert here and there. Archer's a smart boy. Deep down, I also wanted him to have information so he could figure some things out. I knew he would. I wish he could talk, hopefully soon. I almost felt hypnotized as I watched the clear and sometimes bloody fluid slowly but steadily dripping through the chest tubes into the two clear containers. They were attached to the machines that measured the amount of droplets. They practically charged into Archer's room, pulling back the curtain and startled me. A whole medical team entered the room, announcing they had come to change Archer's position. It was an ordeal. I kid you not. It took six people, and it took a full 20 minutes, I don't know, maybe 30 minutes, with pre-planning, talking with Archer to tell him what they were going to do, but mainly talking it through with each other. Archer seemed quite alert, actually. One medical person was dedicated to the ventilator tubing and the breathing tube and the feeding tube. Another person was dedicated to one chest tube, and a third person was dedicated to the other chest tube. Those guys' primary job was to make sure all the tubes keeping Archer alive were carefully held out of the way of each other so as not to get entangled. And 
not to get pulled out in any way when they turned him on to his other side. It was complicated. It was not an easy feat whatsoever to turn Archer's long, heavy body. He had tubes in either chest wall. So it was many steps of shifting him, moving tubes, shifting him, moving tubes, shifting him, getting him on his back. You know what I mean? Tubes on either side of him. The team, they needed to rest, then doing it all again, but in the other direction so that he was then perpendicular on his left side rather than his right. Oh, I shuddered at that thought of one of those chest tubes being dislodged in any way. It made my body hurt, oh, to even think about it. And all the while, Archer never complained. That stunned me. Pete walked in with his then-girlfriend. Archer opened his eyes. Pete is amazing communicating with Archer using the communication board and determined that Archer was requesting his book in his backpack. Mm. Yesterday, Archer had requested the backpack. Yes, I said, I brought the backpack. Pete unzipped it and pulled out Sous Chef, 24 Hours on the Line by Michael Gibney. Archer blinked his eyes, indicating he wanted Pete to read to him. Archer was an avid reader. Pete took a seat in the reclining chair bed and opened the book to the place where Archer had his bookmark. He began to read. The kitchen is best in the morning. All the stainless glimmers. Steel pots and pans sit neatly in their places. Split evenly between stations. I walk to the counter to check for any notes Billy may have made for me in the personal notebook. There were none. I could hear Pete reading. The only sounds are the hum of refrigeration, the purr of proofing boxes, the occasional burble of a thermal immersion circulator. It was weird. It was sort of apropos. I mean, better said, it was ironic that Pete was reading those words. But the story is about an upscale New York restaurant kitchen. And it didn't surprise me Archer was reading that book. He loved the kitchen and the details of preparation. Oh, that includes creating anything magnificent. Food, art, Lego buildings. He just really loves to create. I closed my eyes to listen. I just wanted, though, to be quiet for a moment and do nothing and see if I could hear God whispering to me. After a while, I went back to my phone to scan the many texts. I was trying hard to keep up with them. You know, people are so good and so kind. 10.22 a.m., Davis Barsby texted, We will be praying for Archer until he walks again. Let me know if there is anything we can do. My friend, Kathy Boyne, 
from the University of Virginia days who works at Johns Hopkins Hospital, whom I had texted yesterday to help me with physical therapy decisions, texted me, any updates you can share? And I had told her about the collapsed lungs. She and I then texted back and forth, Kathy, I'll do some research for first choice for rehabilitation, probably Kernan. I still have some water from Lourdes you gave me. Should I send it up? I was hoarding it. I texted back. I have a new supply being sent by my friend Harry Johnson. Great minds think alike. She texted. Okay, we'll keep this one for Archer's Rehab back in Baltimore. I texted. I like that thinking. She texted. Please text me whenever you need, 24-7, anytime, or have an assignment for me to help with. I do everything but take care of dogs. <laughs> that made me smile. I texted her back. Kernan, find out how to get in. We don't know if he'll be stable enough to transport to Baltimore for a while. The surgeon was Chris Ratcliffe from Philadelphia Hospital, Jefferson. He could do second surgery, or we could ask for someone else. We have many days to know, but I have no frame of reference for what is best. She texted, We'll share info with colleague here to advise on second surgery options. First thought is to not transport until medically stable. Keep me posted, and we'll work on getting you framework to make decisions. She knows. I texted back. Agree. Doctor said he'll probably be here 10 days, maybe two months, if not stable enough. The body still begins to heal, and it may not have a need for a second surgery. What we need most is completely smooth transition from here to Baltimore and into a rehab hospital. They said to make plans for essentially a paralyzed man who will need to learn how to get himself up, slide in and out of a chair, using lifts, etc. I just can't take in the gravity of it all. But we know how to soldier forward. Of course, we want the best for him regarding doctors and facilities. It's C5. Storm heaven. We need it. Please keep praying. We need Archer's lungs to be strong enough to get off the ventilator. That is our prayer for now. I know God has a plan. XO. Kathy texted, the Semphs have been in my prayers and thoughts all day. We'll get info regarding Kernan. I texted, thank you. Kathy got back to me in a later text. This is what she said. In my due diligence to find care for Archer, I identified the surgeon here at JHH, Johns Hopkins Hospital who would have taken care of Archer. Upon asking his advice for services here in Baltimore, he came to the realization that Archer's surgeon, Chris, had already consulted with him, and he knows all about Archer's case, exclamation point, exclamation point. His department is talking about Archer, exclamation point. You are in good hands with Ratcliffe and here, exclamation point. Lots of hugs. Wow, I wondered if that was why Dr. Radcliffe did not start surgery at 9 p.m. or 9.30 p.m. Was he consulting with Johns Hopkins? 
I wonder why. Our daughter Paula texted, yes, I will bring my computer and start tomorrow to research Asia and spinal cord programs, Mama, you asked me about. I had also asked Paula if she could help me look into the Florida program and the University of Kentucky Louisville program and the Christopher Reeve Foundation and educate us so we can make the best decisions. My friend, Dory Stanwick, who has eight children, texted, just know we are flooding heaven with prayers. I am offering everything up. God bless. That really touched me. Have you ever offered up something you really like for even a day? It's hard, like sweetener in your coffee or iced tea. But I think it makes you stronger. And that sacrifice definitely creates strength for someone else. I mean, we are all so interconnected. Oh, my goodness. There was a text from one of my oldest grade school friends, Gidget Grady at Blessed Sacrament. She works for the state of Illinois Department on Aging, and I've keynoted for their statewide conferences. I was touched to hear from her. She texted, you and your family have our prayers. Please stay strong and call me anytime, day or night, if you need to talk. My cell is always on. Julie Sullivan is keeping us all informed, and we are all praying. Stay by his side and hold his hand. He knows you're there with him. The strength and power of a spiritual family is amazing. Stay strong. Don't hesitate to call me. Yes, I think that is good advice. Everything, Gidget. Thank you. Even though Archer could not feel me holding his hand today, I know his soul knows. And I also believe his body has cellular memory. And there was a text from my Women Presidents Organization good friend Kathy Oaken. She texted, I'm down in Orlando at an Enterprising Women event and all people approaching me and asking about you and Archer. Where's Louise? What's happening with Louise? How's her son? You know, everybody wanted the details, right, of how you were. It's just amazing to me because that was only like, you know, day two and three. It's incredible. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. It was spreading. The, the word was spreading. Um, I think so much about friendship. I really do. It's um, yeah. for people to care like that. Your whole family is caring. You are caring. You and Billy are caring people. So, you know, I really believe as you go through life, you are attracting people that are like yourself, right? I believe that. And yeah. that's, law, that's the law of attraction. Law of attraction. And that's why you've had so much power behind you. Mm. All the prayers and all the love. I yeah. loved it that way. Yeah. That's, I think that's right. I believe that. I believe that. All of your friends and everyone that cares about you guys, because you are so kind and you are so loving and smart and you've got good people around you and the children. And, you know, you just had 
this uh, perfect storm, I guess, of people coming together to support you. So as I was going, felt like I was going through this with you, obviously, as your friend, was, but Kath, it could have happened to any of us. It could have happened to any of our children. I mean, just really think of that. It could be any of us. Yes, it could be any of us. And I was looking over how I was kind of communicating it to my world or my connections. And I was just amazed at not just the comments, but the shares. And I was thinking to myself, I'm just one of Louise's friends. You know, Louise knows so many people in her years and all of her five children. Just imagine if every friend of yours had that same effect. And I'm sure they did. They were sharing information. Those people were sharing the information. And that's, I mean, I was just trying to get the word out that, you know, you were really needed the support, needed the prayers. You were a family in crisis. We needed to pray for Archer. Louise needs us. I was amazed. Friendship is a powerful thing. Thank you, my friends. Yep, friendship is powerful. I knew Archer would need to see his friends to lift his spirits. He had many deep and lasting friendships. It was 7.40 p.m. and I texted Mike Detterman, his grade school friend whom you've already met. Come whenever you want or can. It's a two and a half hour drive from Baltimore. Will be here likely until September. He is very uplifted by friends. Daily texts and phone messages will be very good too. We'll read to him. Mike texted me back right away, 7.44 p.m., sending an old snapshot photograph of himself and Archer. Oh my gosh, when they were maybe fourth grade? dressed up for the annual Halloween parade as ping pong stars. Mikey texted, show him this gem when you get a chance. It was a gem and it made me smile. Mike was also in a purple arm cast. (laughs) Funny. I couldn't help though, but gaze at Archer's hands as he held his ping pong paddle. They were already getting big and strong. Even then, Archer has big hands. I do have one funny memory um, from a fall day when I was skateboarding over from Homeland to Roland Park through Friends Campus. And I ended up falling off my skateboard right on my hand. And I broke my hand that day. After going to through the x-rays and, and all at the ER, I ended up getting my purple hard cast. And that's where Archer and my iconic Halloween photo comes from. When we were the ultimate ping pong players and I'm wearing my purple cast, we paraded around on a cold Halloween morning um, through the cathedral circle and our costumes were a total hit. Archer and I definitely understand each other because we've been friends since day one. I mean, we, we go back 
a long time. And although we may not communicate as much, I think it's still the same every time we see each other. I prayed it would still be the same, even if some things were very different. I started to text James Schmucker too. And would you believe it? James was texting me at the exact same time. This is what he said. Hi, Mrs. Semt. It's James Schmucker. I wanted to see how Archer's doing. Maybe I can come visit him soon. I got off the phone a little bit ago with Mrs. G, and she told me that some of the physicians wanted to get some information from me to piece together the puzzle, and I would like to help as much as possible. Oh, yes, James. Please come visit soon, and please come tell us what happened, I texted back. There was a text from the head of Archer's Upper School, McDonough. It was from Merritt Livermore. She was texting me back. Louise, here is a message from a fellow McDonough parent who was paralyzed 10 years ago due to a medical complication and surgery who texted me to reach out to you. If you know the parents, please let them know that Mark and I are willing to be resources and we recommend Dr. Sadowski at Kennedy Krieger, XX, many, many prayers. Lori Jankowski is her name, 443, etc. And she gave me her phone number. I texted her back. Thank you. We will reach out, I'm sure. Now, please keep praying. We need Archer's lungs to be strong enough to get off the ventilator. That is our prayer for now. He'll likely be in a rehabilitation hospital to learn a new life, they said, before he can come home. I can't quite take in the gravity of it all, a paralyzed man. But I know God has a plan, and we will wait for it to unfold. What Archer will need the very most is the support of friends. I knew that was true, and we needed to marshal them now. This was not a time to be private. Archer Sempt was going to need his peers more than ever. I had a text from my Women Presidents Organization business friend, Lorena Streb. I texted her back. Please keep praying. We need Archer's lungs to be strong enough to get off the ventilator. That is our prayer for now, and a prayer for a miracle as well. He'll need a lot of support. And I added, I guess I will too with a paralyzed young man. Yes, I realize I was going to need my peers more than ever too. We're all so interconnected. I was getting clearer and clearer that we needed collective prayer. I knew they would be powerful. But I was also realizing, as if for the first time, something else about prayer. It was my friend, Cam Melchiori, who was my neighbor, a business friend, dad of many children too, and husband of my friend Kristen, and just a loving, wonderful guy who drove it home to me when he said to me earlier this morning in a text 
that had rolled in actually in the middle of the night, shortly after I had sent mine last night about praying for Archer's lungs. Cam texted, Louise, we are praying for Archer. Kristen, the kids and I were deeply saddened when we got the news. I know you are a close family with strong faith to hold you together. If you need any help with anything, please don't hesitate to ask. I will do anything for you. Another amazing person. But this is what really struck me. Cam then said, Thank you for directing me on how to focus my prayers for Archer. I have some close Christian friends with whom I've shared your need, and they are lifting up Archer by name to Jesus. I just can't tell you how much my heart aches for you. It really woke me up like a little epiphany. The power of a specific intention. He thanked me for something I didn't know I had done. I want to thank you, Cam, for something you may not have known you did for me. I sent out my specific prayer request over and over today that Archer's lungs would inflate. And Cam said that his friends were lifting Archer up by name. You know, my friend at the beach, Kathy Giannoskoli, whom you've already met, mentioned something about that too. I also uh, remember to that end, uh, I think it was a priest who, and I don't remember the context of this conversation, but I was asking for prayers for something separate uh, for someone. And he said, yes, can you tell me the name though? I need a name to associate with the prayer. And I always tried to keep that in mind after that, that if someone's going to pray, not just pray for Danny's young friend, pray for Archer. Yes, pray for Archer. It is so personal when we are prayed for by name. It's so intimate when we're called by name, isn't it? I looked down and had a voice text from my good friend, Nan Waller Burnett in Denver. I can't stop thinking about Archer. I will pray for Archer. And Wheezy, I will pray for you too. Yes, Nan, please pray for Archer. And thank you, Nan. I need those prayers. When she said she'd send a prayer to God for me in my name, I was so moved. Yes, I needed others to pray for me. You know, I think of Sunday Mass and all the prayer petitions that people submit to the whole congregation to pray for others because they're sick or dying or in some real dire need. As the individual names are read, you have no idea what the situation is unless you actually knew the person, but I often did not. I've always pondered those names ever since I've been a little girl. Every one of them, I would listen. It made me feel sort of close to them. It's good to be called by name, isn't it? It's so personal. Your name 
it's really a part of who you are. <laughs> I was named for my grandmother, my father's mother. I love my name, Louise. It means famous warrior. I hope you love your name. I bet it has a meaning too. Whenever we are given a name or take a new name at birth or in a later ceremony, it's personal. That's how I think it is with God. It's personal. I believe God knows our names and calls us each by name. I do. I looked over at Pete and Archer. God, what is it you are calling me to do? I am trying to hear you. What is it you are calling Archer to do? Or to be. I've never had any doubt in my mind, God, that you know me by name. Do you believe God knows you by name? It is personal. And you have to be up for a personal relationship, that's for sure. Because he knows every hair on your body. It's intimate. I believe that. Sometimes I forget that but I do believe it. I know each of us is so special to him. He loves each one of us and only wants us to feel his love and to share his love and to be his love. Have you ever wondered what work God might be calling you to do so you can share his love and be his love? Is light in the world? I do. You might already be doing it, if you're lucky. I think parents are called to do God's work every day. Have you ever just wished you could have the same kind of thoughts towards others that God has for you? Oh, I have so many times. He is always forgiving. I am not always forgiving. I want to be, though. It's crazy that it's often the ones who are closest to us whom we might not forgive the most. It's crazy, isn't it? But I know it's true. Well, it is for me. Is that true for you sometimes? I want to have forgiving thoughts. Because when I don't, they cause me to suffer. I know God knows that and calls me to examine them. And then to let the suffering go because he knows my real heart. Yep, God knows you too, everything about you. He knows your heart because he is imprinted on your heart. And God doesn't want you to suffer. I think about how mad I was at Billy for letting me down. He was in bad shape. I know it was not intentional. My holding on to it would just cause both of us to suffer. I mean, we'll have to talk it through, of course. But my heart has already forgiven him. Oh, it's just such a relief to know I can forgive. I just have to be willing. 
my heart is often willing, but it's my thoughts that can be a problem. And I don't know about you, but my defenses can be stubborn. I looked over at Pete with Archer. We're in a mess. I must soften my heart so I can hear God and follow my intuition. Just then I got another text from Kathy Oaken. Hi, Louise and Bill. Harve, Harvey is her husband, and I are out to dinner now thinking of you and Archer. Harve said someone called in today to 105.7, the fan radio show, to send prayers out for Archer. Pray for Archer. XOXO. Going to Shabbat tomorrow and asking for more prayers for his lungs. Oh, thank you, Kathy. I think I must have said that out loud because Pete paused from reading and looked over at me. I told Archer and Petey about the text and the prayer chains across the country from people of all faiths for Archer's lungs to inflate. Pray for Archer, I said to them. Pete nodded thoughtfully, and I believe Archer smiled. I said, Archer, you're going to walk again, honey. It's just a matter of time. I sent out another text, and I copy and pasted it to many. We believe he will walk someday. God's time. To make sure he is ready, we put big boots on him so his feet don't get stuck in the recline position. Life can change in the blink of an eye. Life is so precious. Sending love. Hope for everything. Obtain everything. You've been listening to Blink of an Eye. We ask that you share this with anyone who may need inspiration, a lift, or who may relate. Never miss an episode. Please subscribe on our site, blinkofaneyepodcast.com, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you listen. If you have a story to share, please contact Louise Phipps Semph directly, louise at blinkofaneyepodcast.com. She would love to hear from you.